You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz at 90.7 FM. I'm Emily. I'm Alina. We're part of Your Future is Our Business, which is a Santa Cruz County nonprofit that provides career exploration opportunities such as expos, panels, guest speakers, and more activities to help students ages 10 to 18 explore careers. You're listening to our show, What to Be, where we interview and highlight the career journeys of inspirational people in Santa Cruz County. If you've ever thought, hmm, how do they get that job, or what is that job really like? then keep on listening. We would like to remind listeners that the views and opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent or reflect those of Natural Bridges Media or Your Future is Our Business. Please note that information provided during this program does not reflect this career in its entirety. Today we're joined by our guest Larry Favor, who is the owner of Favor Construction, Inc. Thank you for being our guest today, first of all. Thanks for having me on the program. Can you tell us about your business and the history behind it? Sure I can. I'm a general building contractor. I do modest projects and I do landmark projects as well, both residential and commercial. This is my 42nd year in business in Santa Cruz and I employ my own craftsmen and I have a staff at the office, an administrative staff. Being a general contractor, I start from the ground up, and I'm generally the last person to leave the project. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did you get into construction? Well, that's a that's a good story. Um, when I was little, I used to play with all my buddies, and we would build forts and tree houses and do all that sort of thing. And and we really uh, I enjoyed that a lot. And uh, it turned out that a, a neighbor. Was uh, He was a general contractor, and he did primarily residential projects. But as a 15-year-old, he took me in his pickup, and he uh, got me an exception to go to work during the summers and during vacations and on the weekends. And so I started off as a, uh, a carpenter's helper or a laborer, and uh, the first tool that I had in my hand was a broom. <laughs> and, uh, and then we just went from there. So that was my start in uh, early high school. And then I just continued on uh, working in the trades uh, until actually I ended up making a career out of it. Did you work any other jobs that are outside of the trades at all? Oh, definitely. Uh, I've always been more or less a self-employed type of person. Mm-hmm. When I uh, So my background is I went to uh, St. Francis High School in Mountain View, and then I went down to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo, studying architectural engineering, and I had a minor in business. So it was a, it was a terrific lifestyle down there. I was uh, playing freshman football, but studying architectural engineering is, is not a lightweight program. Mm-hmm. So I really worked hard for several years in that program, and then I took a fall quarter off, and I didn't, hadn't realized about student deferments. And that was uh, during the Vietnam era. And so uh, I ended up spending several years in the Marine Corps. And then I went back oh. to Cal Poly mm-hmm. uh, after I got out and uh, switched my major to business. Then eventually moved to Santa Cruz. And when I first came to Santa Cruz, I opened a little Mexican restaurant down by the boardwalk called Taco Town, right across <laughs> the street from the, mm-hmm. the merry-go-round. And I did that for a season. And I had a, a relative that was doing logging up in Boulder Creek, and I went to work for him. But eventually I got back into construction because at the time I could work through the union as either a laborer or a carpenter. And then, you know, working through the union, I was able to make good money as a young man, and I would uh, save up my dollars and then go traveling around the world. And Santa Cruz was always my home base. But... Um, Another interesting thing I did is that I had a, a, a light show business 
for several years during the rock and roll years. And we used to do theatrical lighting uh, for rock and roll groups and uh, different programs. And that was kind of an interesting lifestyle. I would travel from the Mexican border up to the Canadian border uh, doing shows and and doing the gigs, and it was more of a lifestyle than a business. <laughs> and But Santa Cruz always remained my, my home base. And when I had to get serious about life, uh, I went back to construction <laughs> trades because I found that I wasn't, I wasn't an indoor engineering architectural type of guy. Mm-hmm. And it really goes back to when I was talking about building uh, when I was a young kid. I really liked working with my hands, but I wanted to do big, challenging projects. So I figured I'd better learn to do the construction side of it before I started being the boss. And what did you do right before you started your construction company? Uh, right before I was working through the union as a uh, union carpenter. I also had a uh, laborer's card. So between the two unions, I was always busy. In the day, union money was big money for a young single guy. So lifestyle in Santa Cruz was was pretty lovely you know it was a it was a very sweet lifestyle so I worked through the unions and then after I had I met some some guys that were pretty talented carpenters and we decided that we would take on a project of our own and uh, we happened to buddy up with a fellow that was doing spec houses so we built a lot of houses up on the Santa Cruz summit uh, mountain Charlie area we were young aggressive hard-working young guys and we started a little company called Atlantis construction. And we did that for several years. And then personal uh, relationships, you know, move people in different directions. And then that's when I decided to go out on my own as Larry Favor, general building contractor. And you take on modest projects in the beginning. And then if you're capable, you keep increasing your scope and, and the dollar amount. And I started hiring some people. But for years and years, I did everything with my own hands mm-hmm. and, and just understood all the trades. And then what were some of the challenges when you first opened or started your company? Sure. And that's good for young folks to know about when you go in business on your own. Ideally, you have liquid capital that you've invested in your business, not borrowed money, but money that you've saved or from family or friends if they wanted to invest in your future. So the most challenging thing is having the amount of liquid capital in your business to float you from payday to payday and still maintain, you know, excellent relationships with your employees as well as your uh, providers. So cash flow is a big thing. What would you say a typical day looks like for you? I know typical as we've discovered through these interviews is not really a thing but I'm just curious like what kind of things you do on a daily basis well I'm um, I'm an early riser you know every day at 5 30 I'm up and and uh, generally uh, going to one of the job sites one or two of the job sites to make sure that everybody's on the same page that I am with regard to what the day has in store for us so it's first thing in the morning meeting with the guys ensure all the uh, uh, all the supplies and, and the uh, the job scope is well understood. And then if I, I generally have more than one project going on at a time, so I go from one project to another. You know, one of the funny things is that people that they hear about general contractors and they think all they do is ride around all day in the, mm-hmm. in the car going from job to job. But the, mm-hmm. actually, it's, it's fitting in visiting the job sites on a daily basis with all the other behind-the-scenes work that has to be done as a business owner. So my day is going from job to job. 
I'm completely responsible for all the finances in the business. Uh, I'm responsible for all the estimating and providing proposals to architects or engineers or private clients that solicit me. The big job uh, as a general contractor is to be on time and on budget. If you behave that way, then achieving the mutual goals that the client and the contractor has becomes just the work, but it doesn't have the angst of either being over budget or not well-defined or past the completion date. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What To Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by our other host, Emily. We're speaking with Larry Favor, who's the owner of Favor Construction, Inc., and we're learning about his career journey. Have you built any projects locally? Oh, yes. We, um, when I was working through the union, uh, I had a, the opportunity to work for a very large construction company, and we built Oaks College from beginning to end. We were the first people there and the last to leave, and there's a wonderful span bridge out behind Kresge College that goes across the canyon there. That was an exciting project to be on, and if you ever walk out to the middle of that bridge, all you have to do is just raise up on your toes and let down and the entire bridge will move and vibrate with just your weight. That was real exciting. We did a number of really terrific projects up at UC. Uh, and we, I did, um, we transformed the Santa Cruz Arts Center down on Pacific Avenue when it was changed from being the, the county jail to, uh, it was part of a redevelopment plan. And we did the second floor there and then we did the, the Deer Park Shopping Center and did the elevator and the escalator there. And uh, really kind of a cute story out there in Aptos. A lot of seniors were going into Deluxe Market because it's such a fabulous market. And the, the little old ladies were going in and out. And they were so upset with me because I had everything fenced off and everything was dusty. And uh, one little old lady chastised me, you're getting my car dirty. So I went down to the car wash the next day and I bought 50 car wash, uh, free car wash tickets. And I went from being the bad contractor mm. to Mr. Wonderful as I started <laughs> handing out free car wash tickets to these gals. So uh, we, we try to, uh, uh, you know, keep people happy. And, and because it's the word of mouth that really is important, people are going to say, hey, call Larry and he can help you with this rather than, hey, don't call that guy. What a jerk, you know. <laughs> so that's just another little tidbit. Great, great. And how much formal education or training did you have for construction, or did you learn most of it through, like, experience in working? I think it's uh, almost, uh, I would say it's 70-30%. Uh, Even though the education and getting your degree uh, and demonstrating to your peers uh, that you're capable of uh, attaining that educational plateau, it seems to me that what takes place in the field is what really dictates the, the job description. And, you know, starting off early, learning how to work with my hands, it was easy for me, once I got a lot of that behind me, I got those physical skills behind me, I could take a look at the bigger picture and see, you know, the difference between uh, um, shop-built cabinets uh, back in the day as compared to uh, boxed cabinets from a factory and understand uh, the difference between the two and the pricing between the two rather than just being the guy in the shop, you know, putting things together. So educationally, I think you're always learning, always learning. And I always thank the people that I work with for telling me, uh, I'll give you a short story if we have a second. 
one of my employees, a really terrific fellow, was using a carpenter's pencil one day, and I saw him sharpening it to a point. Mm. Well, a carpenter's pe- pencil is rectangular, mm. and he was sharpening it to a point, and actually a carpenter's pencil is to be sharpened from one flat side, flip it over, and sharpen the other flat side, yeah. then turn it on edge and sharpen that edge and turn the other edge. And so I, I said to him, I said, uh, do you know why that, that pencil is, uh, is not round? And he gave me a really great answer. He said, Larry, so it doesn't roll off the roof. <laughs> and, and I thought that was a great answer, but I was such an old guy that I was able to explain to him, there's a fat side of the pencil for doing fat work. And then there's that very fine side. That same pencil can be the same pencil you use when you're doing finish work inside the house, just turning it 90 degrees. And you could see that if nobody had ever told him about a carpenter pencil, he'd be sharpening a rectangle into a into a point for the rest of his life. So it's being in the field, working with those people that mentor you, that are willing to give you some time and some energy, and then your skills will just increase according to your desire to excel in the industry. Yeah. I never knew that about the carpenter pencil. Yeah, I've seen them all the time. Just another little thing, you know. (laughs) What is a common misconception that people have about your job? Um, I think most people, uh, most clients for sure, don't have a very good understanding of what it costs in today's marketplace to get anything done. Mm. When I started, I mean, if you were making $12.50 an hour as a journeyman, and that's way back when, you were making really good money. And then Mm. it jumped up to 25. And now a lot of carpenters are in the field at $50 an hour. Electricians are 75. Plumbers may be 65 to 75. And so I've seen that cost of labor increase, and, and then materials have done the same, and then the other issues involved with construction having to do from the Loma Prieta earthquake, having to do primarily with the engineering side, people just don't realize how much it takes to get something done financially, how much it takes financially to get something done. And much of the time, I'm the bearer of bad news. But it's also my responsibility and my expertise to tune people up right off the bat to see if it's viable for them or not. So I think that's the big misconception is that, oh, we could add a, a, a another bedroom and a bathroom on our house. And cheap. Yeah, and, and there's nothing quick and there's nothing cheap nowadays. The industry is still vibrant. And my personal feeling is that in the United States, if we're if we're building, our economy is generally rolling along and people have disposable income to buy cars and TVs and, and go out to dinner as, as long as construction is rolling. But when you see construction slow down, everybody starts to tighten their belt a little bit. How do you or would you deal with a difficult customer? Hmm. Well, because I've aged, I have transformed into rather than being a young, aggressive forceful uh, contractor. I've mellowed to the sense that I try to I try to look ahead and see what the potential problems could be. And I try to educate the client about what's coming up, and what we have to work through, and what we're going to spend so we don't get to a point that's heated during the job. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to benefit. Even though all our contracts have exit strategy, and, and how do we handle when we were in a dispute, we don't want to get there. Yeah. And, and I'm really um, 
it's always been my it's not that I haven't been I haven't been confrontational in my career there's been many a times that have had to be confrontational especially when advocating for the client by the same token a businessman has to be able a business person has to be able to advocate for themselves and if you're not producing cash flow then none of the guys get checks on Fridays so the challenge is keeping the client out of a uh, ex- exasperated state mm-hmm. keeping the client as uh, well when they see us achieving our goals then most of the time they're pretty happy folks mm-hmm. it's just writing that check you know they get to the end of the job and we're we've gone from being business associates to being friends mm-hmm. and before we shake hands and embrace they 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 tell me, Larry, uh, my hand can just not write your name one more time on a check. You were at the <laughs> end here, and and that's where it always goes. Everybody spends the maximum when they take on a project. It just that's the way it goes. So, I want to encourage uh, young people that are thinking about the construction industry, is that it's it's a wide open industry, mm-hmm. all the way from design to drafting, to engineering, to the architectural part of it, to the interior design, mm-hmm. just getting the color palette together together uh, by a designer type person is a, is a challenging opportunity. So, and then there's those of us that go in the field and actually build things mm-hmm. after all the plan preparation, the real estate, and everything else has been concluded. Then there's those of us that go in the field and actually build something, mm-hmm. and that's the most rewarding part of our uh, of our job is to, at the end of the day, know that you contributed to getting something built. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to What to Be at KSQD 90.7 FM Santa Cruz. I'm Melina, and I'm joined by our other host, Emily. We're speaking with Larry Favor and learning about his career journey to becoming the owner of Favor Construction, Inc. So what are some of your favorite projects that you've worked on? Oh, my goodness. Um, my you know, I, I must say that the high-profile projects are, are ones that uh, just stick with you, but I was really have been blessed to do a number of projects right on the sand. And people, when they walk the beach, uh, they don't even know it, but I've built just some, some magnificent homes right on the sand, on mm-hmm. pillars, or dug into mountainsides down on Beach Drive and and um, at Sea Cliff, and all the way from from Davenport to Monterey, we've been blessed to work right on the sand. That's been most rewarding because you deal with all the elements. You deal with the seismic, um, you, you deal with the high, the high water, you know, the hundred year storm, all that sort of thing. And to get something built in that kind of a high risk environment is, is pretty challenging. But there's a number of commercial jobs. Uh, I really enjoyed working with the Bay Photo people to do their their building on the corner of uh, of Bay and Soquel, and I just recently did a magnificent small state of the art recording studio as an extension uh, of a residence for a gentleman in Aptos. And doing the specialty projects, you know, we when I was working with uh, a well known architectural firm, we built the prototype daycare center up in uh, in Ben Lomond at the, at the park there and it was a it was an example for the rest of California what needed to be done to create a truly harmonious uh, small people center for the day uh, those kinds of things come to mind not uh, not so much remodels and additions and 
and uh, fixing the little things up, but those landmark projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you had an unlimited budget, what would you build? Oh, oh my goodness. An unlimited budget. Let me. Uh, so, since my earliest days, I've been a horse person, and uh, I haven't fulfilled the dream of having an equine center that using large animal therapy to help young and old alike, whether it's traumatized veterans or with somebody that has been abused or somebody that has a substance abuse problem, I know that large animal therapy is a a very practical method of helping people with their rehabilitation. And um, so I've always been a horse person, so if I had an unlimited budget, I built. Uh, I would build a uh, a facility that that helped people through large animals. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It would be. It's still on my my dream list. Yeah, bucket list. How many people would you say typically work on a project? I have uh, today. I have probably fourteen men in the field and really talented supervisor and wonderful assistant in the office, and uh, so. We, as general contractors, um, start in the foundation and work all the way through the job. But on a project, we built a, uh, a government project down in Monterey not too long ago, and we had every subcontractor you could imagine uh, moving through that, that job site, plus our own guys on the job all day long. So there was many as uh, 30 to 50 people working on that job, and maybe 11 of them were directly employed by me, but I was managing the rest of them. And it was a, a very tight security job. Like I say, it was a, a governmental uh, agency. And um, so the security was very tight and the management had to be very crisp, but we probably had 50 people a day on that job. Mm. Yeah. And then what is an accomplishment that you're proud of in particular? I would have to say... Uh, being loyal to my employees because I can't do anything. I'm an older guy now and I don't have the calluses <laughs> on my hands any longer, but without the people that work with me, and I rarely ever say that anybody works for me, I like the phrase of uh, that we work together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the people that are working with me are loyal to me and I really want to exchange that loyalty by being able to being able to provide them with good pay at the end of the week. We don't just pay minimum wage. Um, we pay people uh, so they can afford to live in the Tri-County area and uh, still be able to show up on time and, and bring their lunch with them. So that's that's my biggest joy is to be, contribute to the families of the people that work with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What's something that you wish you would have known when you first started out in this career? Yes, I think that um, taking accounting classes as part of my uh, business minor uh, more seriously. You know, I got out of there, debits on the left, credits on the right. But uh, did I know any of the intricacies of running a business? No. And so a lot of dollars go through the owner's hands correcting mistakes. So I would say understanding the business side of it uh, is much more important than young uh, workers understand. They think if they have a skill in heating and sheet metal or they have a skill in plumbing or electrical 
work or carpentry that it immediately transfers, uh, translates into being a business owner. But having those skills is critical and being able to manage people to do the work is critical. But understanding the business side of it, contracts. I mean, I used to have a two-page contract when I started out, thinking that I wouldn't burden the client with a lot of stuff. Now I understand, 30 years later, that I have a 14-page contract for a reason, and that's to alert the client at all the things that could come up. And it's not a... It's not a source of negativity, but it's, a, it's a, an opportunity to kind of look at what's coming up and try to define it now mm -hmm. before we actually sign the dotted line. So knowing the business side and staying current uh, in the industry, uh, so much has changed since I mentioned Loma Prieta. It used to be that the general contractor was the lead professional on a project, but nowadays the lead professional is either the architect or the engineer, and the general contractor does what he's engaged to do. And because of the seismic, uh, number one, and the, and the other conditions that we have in Santa Cruz County. Mm -hmm. So knowing the business side is critical. Our last question that we have for you is, what is a thought or a piece of advice that you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, that's, that's, that's terrific. Um, Mainly, I, I think my number one thing that I would like to, and I probably touched on it a little bit, is to, if I'm speaking to a younger audience, I just want them to know that there's absolutely no rush. You don't even have to know what direction you want to go in. You know, several of the things that I, I try to stress with, with the employees that I have is that continue your education. Uh, even if you can only take one uh, uh, course uh, a week uh, as an extension course at Cabrillo uh, or you're doing something online uh, but continue to expand your uh, your education in an area that once you're in the work scene you know that you're going to uh, study what you what appeals to you if you're a contributor in society if you're working even if you're a person that's flipping burgers and paying your rent but continuing your education um, you can take as long as you want. That's what I encourage young people to do, is to not get settled in. Uh, when you get out of high school, uh, who knows what they want to do? You can take a bachelor's degree and still not know. Mm -hmm. So you, you want to get into advanced education. And like I say, I, I don't think there's any rush uh, to have to enter uh, uh, the marketplace uh, until your late 20s, to be honest with you. Uh, if you're a productive member of society and you're contributing and you're working and you're paying your taxes and you're continuing your education, uh, what could be, what could be uh, more pleasing for a parent or, or a friend or an associate to see somebody that continues to strive? And then eventually you're going to strike your passion and you're going to know that you're going to pursue falconry. Or uh, in my son's case, he had... Uh, he had aspirations to be uh, an astronaut, and he got uh, a ways down that path, but he understood the difference between being a pilot and being somebody that flies to the moon. You know, mm -hmm. there's a pretty select group. So find your passion and pursue your passion, but please don't rush through it. Take your time. And, and the other thing is that I want to assure the young people that I'm, I'm speaking with is that if you're pursuing... Uh, your field of interest, as you matriculate, 
the dollars automatically come. In that process, me being starting out with a broom in my hand to now sometimes employing 25 people, that's a process. And the dollars will automatically come. And I want to encourage you not to sweat the money because that'll show up. We live in California. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great opportunity to go for the stars here. So mm-hmm. continue your education and uh, don't stress about the money. <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much for being our guest today, Larry. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you to all of our KSQD listeners for tuning into today's career story with our hosts, Emily and Melina, on our show, What to Be, with today's guest, Larry Favor, who is the owner of Favor Construction, Inc. If you have any questions or would like to share your career story with us, send us an email at whattobe at ksqd.org. If you enjoyed our show, please join us again at 90.7 FM KSQD Santa Cruz at 7 p.m. on Sundays or stream online at ksqd.org. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.